0: If you are new around here, uh, we oftentimes preach verse by verse through whole books of the Bible, but right now we are in a series, and for the most part, we've been in the book of Acts, and we're going to be back there in just a little bit. But to get us there, um, let me uh, ask you, have you ever had a a really good flight? For some of you, you're like, a really good flight is one that lands. I kind of feel the same way. Um, but, But a few years ago, I was traveling with my family, and we had a really good flight. Um, it was one of those, we landed, we had a connection, and the connection was just long enough to go get a bite to eat, show up at the gate, and get on the airplane. It was amazing, like, didn't have to wait. And we, we, we walked up to the gate, and they as we're checking in, they're like, oh, your family's been bumped up to first class. I was like, wow, that's amazing, right? And so we, it was a super smooth flight, and we're, t- we're flying in. It was the last flight, flying into Grand Junction at night, beautiful city lights, and no bumps, and everything was just wonderful. Um, it was a perfect flight. Now, today we're talking about hearing the voice of God. Hearing the voice of God, listening to the Holy Spirit. Hearing and following. And here's my observation. I think for most of us, when it comes to hearing and following God's lead, we want that to go a lot like that flight smooth, right? And bumped up to first class and no bumps and just like perfect. Now, I had another flight a a while ago. Um, This was when my son was a toddler. And uh, that flight, we had an all night, a red eye all night, and a hawful. We flew into Dallas early in the morning half asleep, with a to- fussy toddler, and we had like three hours in Dallas, and then we had to come up uh, to Grand Junction, and it was very painful, and uh, as we're get- approaching Grand Junction, and if you've ever flown with a toddler, you know what happens, right? You get on the plane, and everybody starts praying. Um, yeah, that you are not sitting next to them. Uh, my, my son, when he was this little, uh, he used to uh, be very fidgety, and uh, he would get on, and we'd try... He was he traveled well, but he would do this weird thing. He'd kick the seat in front of him. This one flight, and we're like, oh, "Stop! You got to stop!" So we could get him to stop by physically restraining him. He was very little at this point, um, but then he would scream, and so basically we would just apologize to everyone in the seats around. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Um, and uh, anyway, so we're we're flying and we have a fussy toddler, and we come in and the pilot comes on and is like announces, um, "We're coming into our final approach. So buckle your seatbelts." And then it's really turbulent and really bumpy. And um, but we're like, "Oh, thank you, Lord. We're almost home. This has been painful." And then uh, it seems like an eternity goes by, and we're just flying in the clouds and we can't see anything. And we're flying and we're flying and we're like, "We should have landed by now. What's going on?" And and about forty minutes later. Uh, The pilot comes on and says, because of ice and fog in Grand Junction in May, it's Colorado for you, we have to to, to divert to Denver. And I'm like, no. By this point, my son's getting a fever. He's fussy. We land in Denver, and there's no flight. The next flight out is 11 p.m. It's morning. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. I get on the phone. I get the last rental car available at TIA, and uh, we drive six hours home. It was Miserable. And here's, here's the truth. Sometimes hearing from God and then following his lead over weeks, over months, over years feels a little more like that, doesn't it? Sometimes it's like, I wanted this to be smooth and upgraded to first class and everything to be going well. Um, but then you get into it and you're like, I heard you, God. You led me in a direction, but now it's not going like I wanted. And in fact, it's really bumpy and I don't know. Uh, it's radio silence. You're, you're, I need an update here. I need, a, I need something in this place that I am. Perhaps you've been in a season like that. For some of you, you're in a place where it's like, I tried to hear the voice of God, um, but I, I try and I just don't hear anything. I don't hear anything from him. Or for some of you, it's like, I just haven't heard him in a really long time. Or for some, you had something that was really exciting that God put on your heart at, at some point. Maybe it was a ministry thing, maybe it was a school thing, maybe a new business thing, or or even a relationship thing. And you got you, you followed what you what you knew he was leading you towards, and you got a little ways down the road and it got bumpy, and you begin to ask God, where are you? Where are you? And you're not hearing anything. And you're thinking, Where did I go wrong? I uh Occasionally, I'll, I'll journal. I'm not really good at it, but um, over over the years, I've done this. And, and I went back and read one of my journal entries from the first year when we first planted the church, and um, we had great hopes and dreams of what that would look like. And we're months into it, and it's not going anything like what we look like and or what we thought it would. And there was just a handful of people, and we didn't know how in the world we were going to survive the summer. And I remember writing in my journal and saying, God. Um, I, I asked that you wouldn't, um, that you would like not let this grow so slowly that I lose heart and I'm losing heart. I said, is is this whole thing just about like, maybe, maybe, did we hear you right? Like, I know you, you led us to this. Um, did we hear you right though? Is this all just about like a character development thing in me? <laughs> I had this friend, Steve, and I called him uh, as we were praying about starting the church and And we were terrified, honestly. And uh, he's like, well, what are you scared of? And I'm like, well, I don't know. I guess that we'll fail. He's like, well, God's told me to do plenty of things that have failed. (laughs) I'm like, thanks, Steve. It's not helpful. So I'm praying like, is this just like a character thing? Like, I know you led us, but what does this all mean? What is it all supposed to look like? Maybe you've been in a place like that before. Maybe that's where you are right now. So if you have your Bibles, why don't you turn on over to Acts chapter 16. As you turn it over there, I'm going to put one verse or two verses up on the screen. And this is where we left you last week in this series. And this is after Peter and John are threatened by the religious leaders, the same people who condemn Jesus to death. They're threatened and told to stop teaching in the name of Jesus. And this is the first recorded prayer of the early church. And here it is. This is what they prayed for, where we would be saying, okay, God, uh, uh, they've threatened us, and they're going to hurt us, and we'd be praying for safety, right? And uh, maybe we'd be praying that Peter and John tone it down a little bit and use a little more discretion. Here was the first prayer of the early church recorded in Acts. Now, Lord, consider their threats, and enable your servants to speak your word with great what? Boldness. Are you kidding Their prayer was, in spite of these threats, let us speak your word that you've given with incredible boldness. And then stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And last week, I encouraged you to take this prayer and and perhaps to for, for last week. I hope some of you did this. I hope many of you did this to begin praying this, making this a regular part of your prayer life that in addition to, you know, Aunt Susie and and all the things that you're praying about in your life that are concerning now that you would begin to pray about the things God wants to do through your life, that you would have the boldness that you would hear his voice and then he would be moving in your life in such an active way that it would draw others to him that you would see him do things that only God could do. So I hope you're doing that. I hope you're doing that because here's what we saw. Right after this, in the book of Acts, the whole place is shaken and they're filled with the Holy Spirit and and God, this is a prayer God loves to answer. You pray for boldness and opportunity. He's gonna give you opportunities and they have opportunities and many, many people begin to come to the faith and um, the religious leaders make good on their threats and actually whip, they beat the apostles, and they they consider it a joy to have the privilege of suffering for Jesus. Wow. It's a little different framework, isn't it? Well, this great suffering or this great persecution breaks out at this time in the church, and we have the first martyr, the first one who died for Jesus that's recorded in um, the book of Acts, and that was a man named Stephen. He's he's full of the Holy Spirit. God uses him to preach this incredible message proclaiming the name of Jesus, and they stone him to death. And as they're doing that, it says they lay their feet at, at, or they lay lay their uh, cloak at the feet of this man. And the first thing we find out about him, it says that Saul approved of their killing him. And this guy, Saul, then becomes one of the primary persecutors. In the early church. He's hauling Christians into prison. He's he's trying to track down all these that believe in the name of Jesus. And then he has an amazing encounter with the risen Jesus. And it changes everything. And God says, speaks to this guy named Ananias after he appears to Paul, uh, Saul, who you know is the apostle Paul, in a blinding flash of light, and, and commissions him. And Ananias. Is that rain? That's cool. Um, And Ananias, uh, he tells Ananias, go, and uh, I want you to go to Paul. And Ananias is like, really, God? Which makes me think it might be okay sometimes to ask God a clarifying question or two. Really? Like, that's the guy that's persecuting the believers. You want me to go there? I mean, this is one where you really need to know that you heard the voice of God, right? And he's like, yes, he is my chosen apostle to bring the gospel to the Gentiles. And I'm going to show him how much he's going to suffer incredibly for me. And so that's the Apostle Paul. And, and it takes years, but he is commissioned and sent out as the Apostle to the Gentiles. And he goes on this first missionary journey, and it's filled with great successes, but also great hardship. This is when, when Paul was stoned with rocks left for dead. We don't know if he, if he died and was risen, God like, raised him right there, or if he was just almost dead. We don't really know. But He's having incredible success reaching the people. And then this story we see, or this account in in Acts chapter 16, this is on Paul's second missionary journey. And they've just got some great news for the Gentile churches that that they're taking around. And we're going to pick it up in Acts chapter 16, verse 5. It says this. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and grew daily in numbers. Now, this is the smooth flight. This is like the good flight you want to be on, right? Everything's going great. They have this great news. They're taking it around the churches. They're encouraging believers, and people are, are, uh, are strengthened, and their faith is growing. They're growing closer to Jesus. And besides that, every day it says new people are coming to faith. Like God is drawing people into faith in Jesus and changing lives and moving in powerful ways, and everything is going great. This is the flight you want to be on, and then something happens. Verse 5. Verse 6 says this, Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. That's kind of weird. That's northern modern-day Turkey, northern Turkey. This is a prominent area, a wealthy area in the Roman Empire. This is like the people Paul was called to preach the gospel to, and yet he's being kept... That's odd. Verse 7, it says, When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia. But the Spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia, and they went down to Troas. So here's the picture. In in the midst of this, like, everything's going great, and it's encouraging, and everything is, like, going amazing. In the midst of this, all of a sudden, it's like a door slammed shut. Some of you experienced this, where you felt clearly led. God called you to go in a direction. You started pursuing him, and then a door slammed shut, and you're like, what are you doing, God? That happened to us as we uh, prepared to launch and go full time and found out we might not have a place to meet anymore. What are you doing? <laughs> like, I-, I thought I was following you. You-, I- I- you. you led so clearly, and yet it just feels like I'm beating my head up against the wall. That's the picture you get here. I mean, they're being faithful to what God called them to do. God clearly commissioned them and sent them out. He spoke clearly by the Holy Spirit, sent them out to the nations as, as their witness. And, and now they're trying to do the very thing God called them to do, and it just isn't working. And they know, like, somehow they discern, this isn't just the enemy. This isn't, like, press in and, you know, battle this and, and carry on. No, this is actually God that's keeping them from going this direction. A door is slammed shut. And, and you get this picture. This isn't just a little ways either. They're on foot on hot, dusty roads, and, and they're walking for days or possibly weeks between some of these places, trying to follow the commission God's given them, and it's just not working. You imagine the feeling they might have been feeling of frustration in that moment? Like, what are you doing? Um, well, this is, you know, this is the bumpy flight. All of a sudden, things are bumpy, and you're flying in the fog, and you don't know what's going on, and there's radio silence. Like, God, what are you speaking? What is this all about? We're just trying to be faithful. Maybe some of you have felt like that. Or you're like, I know God led me in this direction. Um, but God, why, why, why did you call me if you aren't going to use me? It just feels like I'm spinning my wheels. You know, one of the things when I, when I read the scriptures is this, um, and I think we miss this sometimes, because oftentimes from, from a verse to a next verse in scripture, well, we read it and it takes us 15 seconds, in scripture sometimes it represents years. See, um, as they wrote on scrolls, I mean, the Bible's already, you know, well over a thousand pages But as I wrote on scrolls, um, many times, like, you're getting highlight reels. We're dropping into key moments in some of these great men and women of God in their lives of faith and following God. But oftentimes, in between those great and dramatic moments, there's seasons of just walking it out faithfully, where it doesn't feel so dramatic where it feels a little more every day, where sometimes it just feels like hard work, where sometimes you're discouraged. I think about Abraham, like God called Abraham. And uh, if you remember, he said, leave your, you, leave your family, your home, you're going to become the father of a great nation. He trusted God. Um, the only problem was he was old, his wife was too, and they were barren. But he trusted God, and he said, yes. You know what? From, the, from like the times God actually shows up and directly speaks to Abraham in these dramatic ways, there's years that go by. Years. In fact, at one point, he, uh, he gets to the point where he's like, well, I'm not sure what all that was. God's speaking. I better take matters into my own hands. That didn't go well. See... I, this, there's this thing in our lives sometimes where we where we don't understand the seasons that we walk out what God leads us to in faithfulness, where it doesn't always feel so dramatic. So, they're going through this whole situation, trying to walk out what God's called them to. Probably a little frustrated, going, "Okay, God, uh, why why'd you slam that door? Uh, we'll try this one. That one's a, uh, that one shut too, God." what are you doing? And then God shows up and speaks, and here's how he does it. Verse 9, during the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. And it says, after Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So he sees a vision. God gives them a vision in the night. It's this dude saying, come on over and help us. And so they do. They follow and they obey. And they go over to Macedonia, modern day northern Greece. And and they get there and they're in this little town called Philippi. And the vision um, had this man calling them over. So they're probably looking for the dude they saw in the vision. Instead, they come to this place of prayer and there's all these ladies there. They just start preaching the gospel. And the one that responds, one who responds is named Lydia. She's a wealthy businesswoman, and she responds to the gospel and says, hey, why don't you come use my guest house? Come come move your operation. I'll be home base. And the church at Philippi was planted. One of my favorite little letters in the New Testament is, is Philippians. I memorized it when I was a kid. And it's just such a beautiful, beautiful book of the Bible written to those believers in Philippi. So, Maybe you're like, okay, that's cool. That's, that was a cool way that, uh, that the Holy Spirit brought that around and led Paul, but how does that apply to me today? How does God speak, and how does God lead us? You know, we have a value here at Life Community. It's this, biblically serious, responsive to the Holy Spirit, that we want to be a people. When we first started the church, I had this phrase we wrote out, that we want to be a people who learn to hear the voice of God and follow him in faith a faith that's rooted and anchored in his word, the Bible. That the Bible is, is, is where we base and where, where we judge, but we want to hear his voice as he leads us. We want to be responsive to his Holy Spirit on a daily basis. And perhaps for some of you here, you, you struggle a little bit with this. Perhaps some of you, you're like, I don't really know if I believe that God communicates directly with people today. Like, you know, Apostle Paul, he's Paul, but does God actually communicate directly with his people today? And let me just say, I can understand that. I've been skeptical of things at times myself. In fact, for you, maybe some of the weirdest people you know are people who claim to always be hearing from God. And if they're next to you, don't elbow them. Be kind. I know in, the, in our church... Um, some of you have come from different backgrounds. Some of you, you know, really no church background. Um, some of you have come from backgrounds in churches that really are really, really like nervous when it comes to hearing about God speaking. And you're like, I don't know. Is that like take away from the authority of scripture? Maybe some of you come from that. Others of you, you come from really Pentecostal churches. And you're like, you guys are lame and boring. Come on, ramp it up a little bit. I know we've got like all kinds. And here's what I believe. We're going to spend eternity together. We should be able to come and love each other and care for each other and, and do, pursue God together, search the scriptures together. And let me just challenge you. I'm going to share some of my opinions that, that I, I really wrestled with this a number of years ago and it wrestled with what does the Bible say about this and then, you know, took a bunch of things that I had personally experienced and other people I knew and took it to the Bible. And so I'm going, to, I'm going to challenge you that if this is something you struggle with, that you go back and read through the New Testament, And actually, search the scriptures on it because I'm going to share some of my opinions on things I see in in scripture. Because as I searched and wrestled through scripture a number of years ago, here's what I saw: that God, all the way throughout the Bible, is a God who communicates and speaks to His people in lots of different creative ways. He's very creative in the ways He speaks and communicates. And in fact, I, as I search scripture, I cannot find anything in the New Testament that indicates that he planned to stop that before Jesus comes back. So that's where, that's where I kind of have found it. So I want to talk about three major categories real quick of how God leads. We're going to go pretty quickly for the, through the first two and take a little, little bit longer on, uh, on the last one. And one of them is universal ways. But these are ways that aren't even just like, to just his people. He speaks through creation. He speaks through creation. We're told that God gives us enough information in creation to go, wow, there must be a God. God. Psalms 19 says this, the heavens declare the glory of God, the skies proclaim the work of his hands. So he speaks through creation. He speaks through wisdom. That there's some very wise people you know. Maybe, maybe they're not followers of Jesus. Now, we know the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. But there's some very wise people you, you know. Some of you, God speaks to you a lot when it comes to wisdom. And you'll be facing a decision and ask him for wisdom or what's the wise choice. And you just know the right thing to do and you just have a sense of peace about it. So he uses wisdom. Sometimes he speaks also universally through conscience, this sense of right and wrong that he places within us and not just within us, but within people around the world. Now, that is something you can ignore. And so many cultures have actually have whole areas that they have um, ignored. And the cultural narrative around an area has, has gone as such that they've seared their conscience on an area. No longer, no longer are listening to their conscience. So you can ignore, you can sear your conscience, but he speaks through our consciences. Those are big categories, big universal ways that God speaks to to humanity. And then he speaks through scripture, through the written revelation. And I believe that scripture is the primary way God reveals himself to us today. See, because you can only observe so much about God from creation unless he reveals it to you. You can see enough that you say, okay, there must be a God. But in order to understand the gospel, that this God loved you enough that he came in the flesh, that God the Son came to give his life for you, that you could have life in him. You need a revelation from him, and that's exactly what's recorded in the scripture. You need a revelation from him in order to understand the Father heart of God toward you that, that um, Jesus says, I and the Father are one. And as we have the four accounts of the life of Jesus and the words of Jesus, what you discover is the heart and the character of God and the person of Jesus, and that is recorded in his written word for you. Um, his word uh, tells us how to live when it comes to our relationship vertically with him and when it comes to how we treat other people. In fact, uh, we have some specific direction for our life. We see this in Psalm 19. The psalmist says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. We're told, your word I've treasured in my heart that I may not sin against you. That when it comes to making decisions of how to walk in this life, how, how to honor God in our steps, in our, in our life, we find that in the pages of Scripture. Scripture. In fact, uh, in, first, in Second Timothy, Paul says this, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. This is why we're so committed to preaching the Scripture around here. Scripture is our final authority. It's why we encourage you to study and read the Scripture, to get to know the heart of God and understand His will for your life why Paul says, I did not shrink back from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. That's why Paul commends the Bereans who didn't just take what he was saying at face value but went and searched the scriptures to see if it was actually true. See, when God speaks in some of the other ways we're going to talk about in just a minute, some of them are a lot more subjective. And scripture is the objective text by which we, which we evaluate the subjective, So we take the subjective things, our experiences, and we make sure they line up with what he actually says in the word of God. You know what? For some of you, let me just say, sometimes the reason that God doesn't seem to be speaking to you in the situation or answering your question is because he already answered it in his word. And you need to choose. For some, it's like you just there's an area of your life you won't align to his word. And if you want to start hearing from him in a fresh way, you need to deal with that. You need to deal with that thing. So two big categories, universal ways he speaks. He speaks through the revelation of Scripture. And and the third way, I think, is through the voice of the Holy Spirit. Through the prompting or the leading of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Paul says this in Romans, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. That God leads his children by the Spirit of God that he speaks to you, that he leads us. Now, this happens in a lot of different ways. One of them is, uh, is what we call the, the still small voice of God or the gentle prompting in your heart or in your consciousness that's beyond just like right or wrong in your conscience. And so it's actually kind of hard to like actually explain it, but let me just say if you know, you know. Because so many of you, you've experienced this where there's a a thought or something that comes into your your heart or your mind, and it lines up with what the Word of God says, but it didn't come from you. And you're like, "I, I think that's the still, small voice of God leading me. It's a gentle prompting in your life. And it's something you can actually press back on or argue with until it goes away. You can ignore it. So maybe God's prompting you and, you know, it's like to, to reach out and talk to a neighbor and you kind of ignore it and you kind of ignore it and then you find out later they were going through some big deal thing and you're like, oh, wow, maybe I was supposed to actually reach out to them. You know, our goal for you, one of our goals for each of us as followers of Jesus is that we would be a responsive follower of Jesus. And what that means is that you're listening to his voice daily. Because so many times, like, when we think about hearing the voice of God, um, we just, we're thinking in, in terms of big deal things, like, should I take that promotion or should I go on that mission trip or, or who, who should I marry? And we, and we only tend to seek him when it comes to the big decisions in life. And then we, like, ask and pray and try to hear what he's saying. Um, but we oftentimes ignore the gentle prompting on a daily basis. And here's what I believe. I believe it's so often it's not just in the big deal things that he wants to speak to us, but it's daily. It's daily. It's in your family. It's, it's in your circle of influence. It's that nudging you feel to go pray for your kid or speak a word to them in a moment that's from him. It's your coworker. It's when he wants you to pick up the phone and go check in with a neighbor. I had a time where I, I got a piece of misdirected mail. And I just felt like the Holy Spirit was like, well, this is your opportunity to go talk to that neighbor. And I took it. And and it was a relief. It it was a neat moment. I just felt like that was God leading in that moment. Part of maturity is learning not to ignore the still small voice of God. So many times when we think of hearing the voice of God, for so many people, you just think like audible voice, like thou shalt go get Baskin Robbins. (laughs) Amen. Accept that, Lord. (laughs) But as I search scripture and as I talk to people and know, um, God does that. I don't think I've ever personally heard the audible voice of God. I know people that have. Um, One that, I don't know if it's audible or he heard it audibly, actually over headphones blasting gangster rap. One of my friends, (laughs) kind of funny. So God does speak in that way. I know lots of people that he's spoken in that way too. But we think that that's a primary way that he speaks. But actually, when you search scriptures, uh, it appears like there's something different going on. In fact, check this out. In Numbers chapter 12, God is speaking. He's talking about Moses, who's known to be the greatest prophet until Jesus. Here's what he says. When there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, reveal myself to them in visions. I speak to them in dreams. But this is not true of my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. With him, I speak face to face clearly and not in riddles. He sees the form of the Lord. So what's going on here? Well, God's saying, I speak to lots of people. I have other servants I speak to. And in the the Old Testament, you see it's mostly prophets. Um, It's sometimes like kings and different people um, that he would speak to. In the Old Testament, And he says, I speak to them differently, but there was something special and unique about the relationship that God and Moses had. I mean, just go back and read Exodus, Sinai. I mean, some of that's really cool. There's something special and unique. But what does that mean? What what conclusion can you draw? Well, part of that is he speaks to different people in different ways. And it's not always super clear, is it? What does he call here? Sometimes dreams, sometimes visions, sometimes riddles. It's not always like, oh, I know exactly what God's saying, sometimes it's like, hmm, God, I wonder what you're saying through that. That's what you observe here. So that brings us to Acts in the very first time um, as the Holy Spirit descends on the day of Pentecost and comes in power. Peter gets up and he quotes the prophet Joel um, talking about this, this kingdom uh, of God breaking into the present. And here's what he says. He says, in the last days, God says, and when you hear that, you think of, oh, he must be talking about right before Jesus comes back. No, actually, as you read through scriptures, what the last days in this context refers to is the time between Jesus' first advent and when he comes back again. His first coming and his second coming. And so he says, in this period of time, in the last days, God said, I will pour out my spirit on all people. So he's looking at the thing that's happening as the Holy Spirit comes. He says, this is being fulfilled right now. Your sons and daughters, so not just... Not just the priests and the prophets and and the kings, but your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams, even on my servants. Both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. This is called the democratization of the Holy Spirit. Available to everyone that follows Jesus. He will indwell everyone who follows Jesus. And they will prophesy, he said. He says, I'm going to move and work and speak to my children. And it's available to everyone. I'm going to speak to all my kids. Now, what are some of the ways the Holy Spirit speaks to us? I think there was the prompting, but there's also some things like Peter references in here. Some of those are visions or pictures or impressions. Impressions. And let me just say, this is the stuff to be most cautious about in our lives because there's a fairly reasonable chance it was just the pepperoni pizza you had the night before. These are the more subjective things, the squishier things. I told you a few weeks ago about this incredible moment my dad and and another professor had when simultaneously, um, before the age of big screen TVs, they both saw a big screen TV in their minds that talked about Robert, and one of the professors was led to go um, in this screen to go talk to him, and he was locked in his dorm room with the gas pipe off, and God used this dramatic picture in their mind to save Robert and probably others. Um, There's this really cool account from a book that Lee Strobel, who's a a famous, um, he was an atheist, and he came to discover the evidence for the resurrection and embrace Jesus, and then he wrote a book called The Case for Miracles, and he tells this incredible story about this brilliant young African-American student had a full-ride scholarship to Yale to study medicine, and uh, it was what he always wanted to do all his life, but he was failing chemistry, and you can't fail chemistry and, 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 you know, complete a medical degree. And everything was depending on one final exam. And he literally, he prayed to God, and he's like, God, medicine's the only thing I've really ever wanted to do, but please tell me if there's something different. Please tell me what you want me to do. Because he recognized he's really struggling. He, he was planning on, the night before, just staying up and cramming all night. Some of you are like, been there, done that, for that exam. But he fell asleep. <laughs> Dole. Now, here's the cool thing. In the middle of the night, as he's sleeping and supposed to be cramming, he has a dream. And in this dream, he sees a chalkboard, and there's some nebulous figure that began to write chemistry equations in chalk on this board. And the next day, he comes into the exam, and the very first problem is the first problem he saw on that chalkboard. And then the next, and then the next, he ended up acing the exam. Now, there's some theological issues here, I just guess that if God shows you the answers, it's not cheating. Okay, that's that's my interpretation. <laughs> he aced the exam. <laughs> he promised God, "You're never going to have to do that for me again." He ended up becoming an extraordinary physician. By the age of 34, he was the youngest director of pediatric surgery in the country. He worked at Johns Hopkins, and some of you have heard his name. He he pioneered brain surgery on uh, on little children, and uh, his name's Ben Carson. He became known as one of the ten most admired people in the U.S. Um, A number of years ago, God gave this young man who was on a missions trip in the Bahamas, as he's opening his Bible to spend some time with God, he just starts seeing a moving movie, he describes it, in his mind of waves crashing over nations, and then these waves become waves of young people sharing the gospel and the love of God over all these different nations. His name is Lauren Cunningham. He wrote one of my favorite books called Is That Really You, God?, this is a classic missionary tale. And if you want to learn personally a little more about discerning the direction and leading of God in your life, pick up this book. It's fantastic. He's still alive in his 80s and uh, has late-stage cancer, very likely in his, in his last days. Um, but one of my heroes of the faith. And uh, this experience that he saw propelled him to launch a mission. And that mission now has over 20,000 volunteer staff around the world in more than 1,100 ministry locations in 180 countries. It's called Youth with a Mission, or YWAM. That's who we're going down to build two homes for two families, thanks to your generosity and amazing team, taking 60-plus people down there over Memorial Day. You know, um, when my wife and I were first, like God planted this crazy idea in our heart um, to plant a church. And it was just still a crazy idea. We had a couple of really unique things. One of them, one of my wife's friends, um, who'd never done anything like this before, she's like, "Hey, I don't normally remember my dreams, but I had two dreams that you and Tim were planning a church." It's like, wow, that's weird. It's not like we were talking about it. (laughs) That's weird. Kind of tucked that one away. Um, some of our uh, good friends, uh, the Wards, Ray and Candice, a lot of you know them, lead outpour movement, Thailand, Myanmar, um, you know him from here. And uh, they had a, a ministry coworker and friend named Moses over there. He was a young Buddhist monk. And um, as he was, uh, he became more and more um, discouraged and dispirited and full of, full of doubt. And one day um, he, he decided to take his own life. He drank poison, actually. And as the poison was kicking in and beginning to, like, take out his, his stomach um, and he was approaching death, he actually had a supernatural vision of Jesus healing him and speaking words of truth and hope in that moment. And then he made this amazing, miraculous, quick, dramatic recovery as the other monks looked on. And he ended up having a very powerful ministry, sharing the love of Jesus in a very respectful way with those around him. In the monasteries. So I I firmly believe God still speaks this way today. Sometimes God speaks in things that are just a little too odd to be coincidence. Again, as we were just this crazy idea about planning a church, um, we came back from a weekend trip and there was this random voicemail on our phone. We, I mean, we weren't talking to anybody about it. We're just like, this is a crazy idea. That'd be kind of cool. And, uh, and we get home and I check the voicemail and there's this weird message from one of my mom's friends out of the blue. Hey, I was cleaning my closet out and I found a church planting manual and I thought about Tim. You want it? <laughs> what? I tucked that one away. Mm, that's kind of interesting. <laughs> kind of interesting. A while later, as we were almost ready to plant a church... In, in this little space next year, but, or next door, but really, really, really um, like scared and not wondering if now's the right time. And I'd heard this phrase in my mind a while before the time is now, and I'm praying, God, I got to hear from you. We have to like, say if we're launching, because we have to set the date, and I still hadn't decided. And as I sat in front of that and prayed, and then as I'm pulling out, this happened two times over, over a week. I heard a radio spot came on, and it repeated this exact phrase over and over, the time is now the time is now. I'm like, that's weird. <laughs> Can I prove for sure that that was God? No, you probably, some of you, you're arguing with me in your mind already. To me, it was, the timing was too odd to be a coincidence, and it was a strong confirmation of what God was already leading us to do. Sometimes he does stuff that even seemed like, to me, a little more odd than that. I was down leading worship in Mexico and helping these teenagers, and I was in my 20s, and And I remember they did this one thing, and I was just kind of along for the ride as the, uh, you know, older worship leader. And they had these kids huddle up in a circle before they're going to do an outreach that afternoon, but a different kind. So they had the kids just sit around and pray for a few minutes and then wait on the Lord for a few minutes and see if he would show them anything, a picture anything that might give us an idea of what he wanted us to do that afternoon. And so some kids just start, like, talking about, oh, I saw this. Oh, I saw this. I saw this. And I'm going, this is weird, flaky, like, really And so we jump in this van. I'm very skeptical. (laughs) And As we're driving along, like one of the kids is like, oh, that's what I saw. And it was a train, like going down the tracks. That's the exact number on that train car. That's what I saw. And the kids are excited. And we drive a little further and they're like, okay, we're on the right path. That's what I saw. And I'm going, oh, my gosh, this is so weird. And we end up getting to this house. And uh, I stay in the van because I have so much faith. And (laughs) they get out and they go up to the door. And end up praying with this lady and leading her to Jesus. I'm like, okay, that's weird. But I went and looked at scripture. I don't see anything that's like anti-scripture in there. And it sure seems like somebody met Jesus. That's kind of cool. You know, sometimes in the scripture you see, if you've read through the Bible, you will have noticed that God communicates to people in all kinds of different strange ways. Um, do you realize he used a donkey? That's weird. Um, in Ezekiel 4, he has the prophet lay on one side, like lay on his side for 40 days on one side and then flip over and lay on the other side for 40 days. It's like this word picture for the nation of Israel. And then he has them bake this Ezekiel 4-9 bread. And there's no health nuts in the room. They laughed at Saturday. We must must have had the health nuts Saturday service because that's a special health nut bread, Ezekiel 4-9. Anyway, and it's like, that's weird. And so if you're here and you're skeptical, and I understand, let me just say this, just because something seems a little odd to us doesn't necessarily mean that it's not God. Just because it pushes our boundaries a little, or our comfort zone, doesn't necessarily mean that it's not God. Now, just because something's weird doesn't mean that it is God. I mean, you take it to scripture, some things are are just, you, you can say, well, that is clearly off base doesn't line up with scripture. But just because it pushes our comfort zone a little doesn't mean that it's not God. And when it comes to the voice of the Spirit, one of the primary ways that I've seen him work over the years is he will speak to you for other people. He will give you something for other people. Maybe you've had an experience of this, and maybe it felt somewhat normal where you were struggling with the decision and praying about it, and not getting anywhere. And then in some unrelated conversation, um, somebody just like is talking to you and, and has the wisdom exactly that you needed in that moment. And you're like, wow, that was amazing. That's exactly what I needed to hear. And you don't maybe recognize that as supernatural. Now, sometimes you are in that similar situation, and somebody has a word for you or knows something that they have no business knowing in your life. And they share it with you, and it rocks your world. And you know that God sees you. He knows you. He hears you. He cares about you. As we were planning the church, um, we had this this crazy, uh, I, I remember I was, I was really struggling because we're hearing like, we had this crazy idea and then these weird things started happening. I'm like, is, it maybe, is this you, God? Are you talking to us about finding a church? Like, is that really you, God? I don't know. And I'm struggling, going like, God, I, I don't know. I mean, I feel like you're leading us, but I don't know. Is that really you? And I go to this worship leaders conference um, over in uh, Estes Park, and we have this little small group, and we're praying for each other. And I literally, I'm like, I am not going to give these guys any information or any ammo on what I'm struggling with. Because I don't want some, like, I feel like God's calling you just to have more faith. Duh. Like, <laughs> right? So I'm like, I'm not giving you any ammo or any information in this situation, but God, you know what I'm struggling with that I'm wondering if it's you. And we're going around praying for each other, no big deal. And this pastor, his name's Donnie. Um, he's he's in my small group, he's pastor in El Paso, and uh, he's like, uh, we're just praying for each other. And and like he gets to me and he's like, uh, he he's the one sitting on there, and we're just praying in a circle. And he goes, Hey, um, I feel like God's saying You've been hearing him, but you're questioning that you're hearing him, and he wants you to know you're hearing him. Does that mean anything to you? I'm like, yes, that does. <laughs> years later, after we planted the church, um, just a few years ago, I got to see him again at uh, Vineyard National Conference, and it was enc- as I shared this with him, he told me how much it encouraged him to, to like circle back around that he found out actually, like, he thought God shared that with him, but he didn't know if it meant anything. (laughs) Sometimes God will give you something, and you'll share it with somebody in the moment that is exactly what they need to hear. You may not know it till years later, but he does that. God will speak to you on behalf of other people. In fact, I think that's oftentimes the way he does it. I remember one time as we were praying and just struggling to seek God, um, I'm really making you doubt my faith. You're like, man, this was really hard for you, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Okay. But I, I remember waking up this one morning and praying, God, we need to hear from you. We need to hear from you. I wake up this, and the very first thing I remember, this doesn't happen very often. Like, this stuff doesn't, I, I, I don't function this that frequently. I know some of you do. But um, as I, like, am just waking up, I see this picture in my head. It's like this cube thing, and there's a bird, and I'm like, That's weird. It was weird enough that i'm like i don't think that was just like nothing i think that was weird and so i'm like what is that all about god is that something from you and uh and uh and i had this thought in my head that's for your friend they were preparing to go and sell everything they had sold everything they were preparing to go to to the mission field um and so i call him i'm like hey i don't know if this is anything but i i uh, you came to mind so i saw this like cube thing and he's he, And it was like, that's a shipping container. And this is exactly what that means and how it... And it brought them incredible encouragement in that moment because they were struggling and praying about this crazy decision to take their whole family to Africa. And you know what? I got mad at God. I'm like, God, I was praying for direction for us. (laughs) I wasn't really mad. I was just sort of frustrated. And I'm telling you, I had the distinct impression in my heart that God said, the church isn't about you. It's such a good reminder. See, the thing that God wants to do in and through you isn't about you. And maybe the reason why you struggle to hear from God is is you don't actually ask him to, to speak anything to you on behalf of other people. It's all about you and decisions you're making and There's a pastor um, in Illinois, his name's Ted Kim. Here's what he said. He's a guy that really, uh, God uses this way a lot. He said this, if you want to learn how to hear God's voice, there's one thing you can do. Pray for other people. Pray for other people. He said, in fact, in my experience of listening to God over the last 20 years, here's what I've learned. Most of what I hear, he said about 80%, most of what I hear is for other people. In fact, he said, I learned how he spoke to me by praying for other people. And then when I really needed to hear him for me, I knew what it sounded like. Isn't that the heart of God? See, as you read through the New Testament, it's all about one another, one another, one another. To encourage and build each other up as we follow Jesus. That we need each other. And so there's a good chance the thing, the, the confirmation you need in your life might come through another person that loves you and cares enough to pray about you. And it's a good chance that the confirmation or the thing that God is leading um, in someone else's life, he needs you to actually take a risk if he shows you something or, or you think maybe that's God and actually have the, the guts to share it with someone. Not like, thus saith the Lord. No, no, no. Like, hey, I think maybe God's like, showed me this. I think maybe that was him. You never know the power and the impact that can have on someone else. I'm going to invite Winston up. We're going to close with a song. Romans 8, I'm going to bring this back. It says, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. And let me just say, there's a couple of key things as you begin to say, okay, God, well, maybe, maybe you speak. I, I want to hear your voice more. There's a couple of key components to doing that. The first one is this, diligently seek him in prayer. Diligently seek him in prayer. I've got something really profound for you, so don't miss this. The people who experience God most are the people who diligently seek him in prayer. You're like, that's not profound. I know, but here's what I know. For some of you, you quit seeking him diligently a while back, and you're wondering why you never hear from him, but you never actually pour your heart out. You never seek him. You only do it when, you need, when you're trying to make a big deal decision. You need to start setting aside time to listen to him, to allow him to speak to you, to pray for other people. The second part is you need to wait on God because it doesn't always come immediately. Immediately. There are seasons. I mean, Moses was in the desert for 40 years. Do you know that Paul, before, after he'd been commissioned by God, um, he spent seven years out in the Arabian desert. We believe God was working on his life and his heart and his character. And some of you are in that season right now where there's something that God spoke to you in the past. You know, it took us, when God first started doing these dramatic things and leading us to plant a church, it took us five years before the wheels went into motion to actually do it. Five years. And he taught us a bunch of stuff in the meantime that was invaluable. But some of you in the room may have something that God planted in your heart years ago that he clearly spoke to you and it's been on the back burner and you're going, I don't know, maybe that wasn't really you, God. And he wants you to know it's, it was him. You're going to step into it. You're going to follow him. Wait on him. And then the big deal, one other big deal thing, if you want to hear from him, you got to do the last thing he told you to do. Are you being obedient in your life? Or is there an area he consistently was speaking to you about? And you're like, no, no, no. If you want to begin to hear his voice in a fresh way in your life, you need to do the last thing he told you to do.